Hello there. Welcome to the Jack Halford podcast. This is episode 32 today and this week I've been all about the country doing uh, a bit of supporting workshops with young people of a variety of ages from little squirts up to a bit taller squirts and it's been quite fun. I enjoyed it. Um, That's the kind of work that I enjoy doing is teaching or assisting in teaching people how to do creative things so that they're stimulating that side of their brain and they start to see more possibilities in life. It's not just going to work someone else and do it in a really structured way. You can, you can do anything, anything's possible. And to do art is to use your imagination and to understand that yes, you can do anything. You can make anything happen from your mind on, 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 the, on the canvas, on a piece of paper or uh, sculptural things, moving image, music, uh, talking, you know, singing. There's endless possibilities through the arts and I think it helps with other subjects too um, because you can combine everything together. I think it's very, um, very good. I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do, I do. I'd recommend to anyone who's an artist to get into some kind of teaching. I think it's a really, um, it's quite fun. I like it, especially like some of these kids, they crack you up. Yeah, they're quite funny. Um, I love it. Uh, So I wanted to sort of talk about how curiosity is a very important thing today. I think being inquisitive and questioning things uh, can lead you down some pretty cool rabbit holes. I think that being curious about the world is important to be travelling, to be thinking, oh, I wonder what this colour would make if I mixed it with this colour. Oh. How do people get into space? So then you go out and get a book about it and you get really into that and geeky about it. That's fun, that. You need hobbies. You need to be out doing stuff, learning stuff. Else what's the point, you know? If you're not constantly learning new new things about the world, you're not going to be learning about yourself. That's how you learn about what you like doing. And everything can be turned into a job, you know. There's an incredible amount of different types of vocations, the different kinds of jobs you can get, earning money from as well. And if you really like it, it does not feel like you're working. It feels fun. You're learning from it. And if you like the people you work with, it's just, it's the bee's knees. It really is. Like, I think I've found what I like doing. And it, it's making me enjoy life more. I really love it. I might even, like, I like running, so I might even look into doing volunteering with events like that, or, you know, maybe starting a local running club or something, just for the fun of it, but that could also turn into paid work as well. You never know how uh, 
how things are going to turn out. You know, you just start doing something and it leads you to doing something else because you'll meet someone and you're networking and before you know it, you're working in Spain doing a bleeding beach fitness course. Who knows? So I would say, be curious, do things, go out and explore and see what you like doing. And uh, you never know where it's going to take you. Life is a mysterious thing. The future is is unpredictable, and it it's going to have its ups and downs. But I tell you what, if you are curious, it's going to have more ups and you, more than than downs. It's going to have more ups and downs. <laughs> Unless you're going downhill a lot, like literally going downhill. Uh, <clears throat> all right. <laughs> oh, I love this blue. It's like a uh, ultramarine. I don't know what this is yet, but I'm sure I'll figure it out. This is the the art of the style of painting that I do is. Um, kind of automatic. It's an automatic painting style. I just do it, and then it leads to finding faces and stuff. Right, so someone commented the other day. They said they have a condition called pareidolia and it's something that I've explored before with my abstract work, sort of semi-abstract work, looking for faces. And it's how, I, it's how I make these works. I create these sort of abstract paintings and then I look for faces and then I paint the faces in slightly. Um, so it, you sort of have to work a bit to see them sometimes, but sometimes it's more obvious. But it's a good, it's a good exercise. Looking for things that aren't there, because the more you look, the more you're curious about something. The closer you look at something, the more you understand. the same with um, walking and commuting you'll probably have your blinders up a lot of the time when you're walking to work and you don't notice a brilliant pattern on some kind of architectural thing you know you probably miss a chimney and then when it's gone you know something's gone but you're not quite sure what it is because you never looked up from your phone when you were walking to work so have a look. Force yourself to look more. It's a good, good thing to, uh, good thing to be doing is looking. Maybe we should be beating ourselves up for staring at these stupid bricks, uh, being becoming screen suckers, you know. We should be beating ourselves up about that. 
and you know try not to believe in because what what good is that you know be social on it look for opportunities and events and then go to them and be in the real world as I should just It'd be 80 years down the line and you would have wasted your time screwing all that, settle about. Load of rubbish. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? Sausages. Absolute bloody sausages. All I'm using on here at the minute is two colours, maybe a bit of white as well, but I'm trying not to use white so much because it's, I don't know, it's sort of cheating. Let's uh, try and use all the colours and figure out how to make stuff lighter without white, which can be quite difficult once you've started to build up layers. I suppose you can use white to underpaint and then go over it with more colours using contrasting uh, complementary colours to create certain effects. Ooh. Ultramarine, tell you what, ultramarine, bloody hell. Gorgeous. I was at Tate Modern the other week, I saw a lovely international klein blue painting by you know klein klein you've read you've read Vez klein i didn't know how to bloody say his first name but he's a he's a bloody good painter I tell you that bloody good painter one of the best painters about yeah, I'm not about anymore, probably dead now, but yeah. yeah. To be messing about with uh, with the binders and things. Yeah, because that international climb blue is actually ultramarine blue, I think, but he's just using a different binder so that it actually looks like the pigment on the, uh, on the substrate, on the surface. He's just using a slightly different binder, and I'm not sure what the binder is. Obviously, when I'm using ultramarine, I'm using uh, linseed oil and then a bit of solvent, so it doesn't look exactly like uh, the ultramarine pigment. Kind of goes a bit darker, a bit more transparent. But if you build up the layers, and you could even put the uh, put the ultramarine onto the canvas, and then sprinkle the pigment on, and then you'll have the pigment on top of it which can create a bit of a health hazard because people might breathe it in but it looks good i can't like dropping the pigment over wet uh quite wet oil paint and then leave it to dry quite a nice effect sometimes you could probably go over it with a matte fixative it's like a spray-on fixative
quite like the idea of making like screaming faces at the minute. When I did this scared to death painting, which has been my most popular print on the website, a lot of people really did, uh, it did resonate with a lot of people because it was about death and about grief and everyone goes through that at some point. So um, I'm quite interested in making more sort of screen paintings and I do like Edvard Munch, Munchy Munch, Monster Munch. Uh, so I might look at him a bit more because I do like his style um, and I might do some studies of his work. I think it will help me to be able to create more expressive um, figurative works, landscape works, because that's what I'm interested in doing, creating narratives, but still having this sort of colourful uh, style that I'm, I'm doing at the minute, just sort of pulling these figures out a bit more, making them a bit more obvious, because then I can really start to weave narratives on the canvas. Uh, which is important because I think people like stories. They really do. Especially children. When I'm showing children paintings, I think they'd prefer to see something that's a bit more obvious in terms of uh, figures. Um, but I was working with some kids the other day and we were making collages and they were making sort of uh, superheroes and some of their superheroes, they don't look like people, but you can tell they're people. It's like they're quite primal, primal images, like you'd get on like cave paintings. So I, I think I definitely, I definitely think it's a natural thing for humans to create representations of visual representations of ourselves and uh, tell stories through images. I think it's part of human nature. I think storytelling is definitely part of human nature. Sitting around a campfire and telling a story. It's really important that stories aren't lost and that we keep stories alive. There's a lot of stories that are just shared via you know, storytelling, word of mouth. They need to be written down and remembered, put up on the cloud and archived in multiple museums. It's really important. A lot of languages are being lost as well. And around the world there is programs and things to keep languages alive. And I think that is very important because else we'll just become a monoculture and that wouldn't be very good, I don't think. I think it's good to have different cultures because it keeps everyone curious, like I was saying earlier, to constantly learn and explore new ways of seeing, new ways of seeing the world. It's very important. Especially when you're growing up.
Lovely. And this is what I'm doing with these um, paintings on paper is I'm very much just experimenting and seeing what's happening. I'm not really thinking about it, which is a good way to travel as well. You know, if you travel to another country, it's good not to have an itinerary or too much of a structured uh, week or two. If you're out and about, it's good just to explore the local uh, vicinity without having a plan of action, because often you'll stumble upon things and uh, and people and have interesting conversations. And from that, learn and see the world differently, which is what it's all about. Seeing the world differently. And that's why I'm writing about at the minute, hoping to get this publication I'm working on out by the end of the month, which I'm working on a little bit every day. The printing of it is going to be a bit different to how I'm usually, how I printed the uh, last one, which was screen printing. I think I'm going to be using my inkjet printer to print out images. But the images will be of paintings I have made and there'll be some sort of drawings too, I think, sort of dotted around the text and it's going to be a bit of a game and it's going to be kind of interactive. The reader is going to need to take action as they are, as they are reading it, which should be fun, a bit, a bit of a game because my goal is to help people see the world differently and they're not going to be doing that through reading alone. They need to be doing uh, sort of visual exercises to help them understand that yes, you can alter your state of mind. And when I'm saying that, I'm not talking about with drugs, I'm just talking about seeing the world differently in a more positive light, seeing that there is so much out there, seeing that there's a million possibilities and a million different paths you could take to get different outcomes and you'll be happier if you can see all of the different possibilities. It could be overwhelming uh, for there to be a lot of different uh, paths, but I think it's important to know that there is, because life doesn't have to be uh, black and white. It can be very bloody colourful, and that's beautiful, that. Beautiful. <laughs> Bloody beautiful. I love painting and talking about perception. The book that I'm bringing out is called Another Realm Beyond Your Perception. So it's 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 self-helpish. It's a it's gamified. And it's a visual pleasure and it's a tactile thing. It's not just a book you open and flip through the pages. It's going to be sort of pull out bits and it's going to be a nice thing. I'm going to enjoy making this thing, I think. I really am. I keep changing the way uh, the way it looks, but that's... And I might have to bring out a second version of it because the first version is always a bit rough around the edges, but I think people like that. I certainly do. I like the handmade feel. I like in, uh, imperfections. 
you know, I mean, some of the zines I've sent out, I'm sure I've penciled in some words that haven't quite printed right. But, you know, it's better than throwing it away. I don't like throwing things away. I'm becoming more of a uh, sort of an environmentally conscious person, especially with the materials I use. I think it's quite good to try and limit the amount of new things you buy and it makes you more creative and it produces better results when you have a limited amount of resources to use to make new work. You're going to produce more interesting results than a person with an abundance of uh, materials and money to make something. They're not going to have to be creative. Um, so they might not end up producing as good as work. It's going to look a bit more slick, maybe. Um, yeah, I think sort of a forced, forced creativity is quite good. So if you can, just force it, even if you've got an abundance of money, to limit yourself and put yourself, create a problem for yourself, um, is, is a really good idea. It's, and it's like with the fitness as well, to really put yourself in a problem, you've got to run up a hill, it's difficult, but the more you do it, the better you get at it. It's the same with painting. Painting is a practice. The more you do it, the better you get at it. And uh, you shouldn't really be saying better or worse, but you will see a development within your own practice and you're getting better at weaving these stories or just painting a line. Sometimes I'll look at a line I've painted and I'll go, wow, look at that, that's a nice line, that. Um, and a lot of people don't understand that, but a lot of painters won't understand what I'm saying, you know, well, that's a nice bit of a line, nice mark. You know, when you, when you see a patina on a car or um, you own like a leather belt or a leather wallet and you see a lovely bit of wear on it. That's what I'm talking about when I say I like a certain mark. I like a certain pattern that I've created and you get better at that the more that you, the more that you do it. And the more that you observe the world around you, the more that you will understand how to represent it through painting and drawing of the types of image making so if you want to do it just keep doing it it's a, it's a fun relaxing thing to do sometimes it will go wrong go with that let it go wrong let let the wrongness happen because you never know it might turn into something very interesting that's unexpected that's how you develop going with the flow not trying to be making something perfect is great because there's no such thing as perfect it doesn't exist it really doesn't uh, the, what I'm seeing here with these colors I'm using is Mark Sugar 
Chigal, Chigal. I saw a, uh, a retrospective exhibition of their work when I went to Paris and the exhibition had just opened and they couldn't bloody get around to see the work because it was the first day or the first second day. Everyone was standing in front of things and really having a look and I couldn't get a good stare at anything. Uh, you know that, you know the bloody French, you know, trying to get, you know. <laughs> You know, I'm sure if I knew a bit of French, I could have uh, Francais them and one's too, but you know, I didn't really understand how to say petit pois, so yeah, there you go. Gracias. Gracias. This ultramarine, I tell you what, bloody hell. Bloody lovely, this. Oh, yes. Alizarin crimson, very good colour for making purple with, I love it. Um, when I'm making orange, I prefer to use cadmium uh, red, which is not red at all, it's more orange. I think, anyway. No, I was having a chat with my mate, who's a painter who uses a lot of brown, and I was telling her, this ain't red, this is orange. You get it. But I suppose orange is a type of red. But when I think of red, I'm thinking of crimson. It's sort of a blood colour. It's great for creating uh, flesh tones. Well, for white people. But I suppose if you, yeah, for black people as well, you could do Because it's, it's something you'd mix with other colours to make the flesh tone. You can make it darker. I suppose I'd mix it with a... Uh, some kind of burnt brown colour to make it darker and then you just create highlights to make it look even darker um, and create because colours look different when you put other colours next to them you see and this is why you must experiment and always be making work and just be as prolific as possible because then you'll learn what colours work with each other and, you, and it will just become an automatic thing you do and then you're not really thinking about it, you just do it and you get the work done and that's the best way to be, to be in that flow state. Flow state. Flow state. Flintstones, it's the Flintstones. Flintstones, it's the Flintstones. There you go, lovely. Red. Red and blue, what a brilliant combination for a painting. I think this is gonna maybe turn into an orange, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let it turn into an orange corner. I think an orange corner with all of the sort of dark purples going on here would look quite nice. So instead of putting that directly onto the paper, what I'll do is I'll mix that with a little bit of cadmium um, lemon, no, that's just cadmium yellow pale, but lemon yellow is such a brilliant colour, especially if you get a good quality 
you know, uh, oil paint. It's a very beautiful yellow to use. Highly recommend a lemon yellow when you're painting. Very important to keep your brushes. I use the same brush with every color, so I have to always be cleaning it. And the best way to clean a oiled brush is to get a bit of solvent on, and then sort of get a bit of blue roll or a, a rag, and just get it off. And then periodically clean your brushes. Get all the solvent off. Get a good quality um, brush cleaner like that very good this one is called the master's brush cleaner and preserver and it gets all the oil residue off your brushes and they'll last longer it's very important to look after your tools it's better for the environment if you can get them uh, lasting longer and better for your pocket too um and we all have a favorite brush so why wouldn't we want them to last longer eh? as i said doesn't that look like more of an orange than a red, cadmium red. If, you, if you're listening, you can watch this on YouTube and you'll be able to have a look. Certainly more orangey than red, especially if you put it next to the, yeah, if you put it next to the um, crimson, it turn, looks even more like an orange because you can see the contrast between the two. And then I'll mix it with a bit of, um, yellow to amplify the uh, yeah the orange and make it very very uh, very bright. There we go. Now I, I thin these down quite a bit, but you don't have to if you're really good at just sort of what I call scuff, a scuff. But it, it does it does take a while to scuff paint around and maybe you'd call it staining. Um, and this paper is very good. It's uh, by Arches and it's specifically made for oil painting. You don't have to prime it. It's like sized and you can really scuff the paper and it is absolutely fine it's like painting on linen or canvas that's been primed it it can take a lot of abuse so i highly recommend this paper you can buy it in big rolls like i do or you can buy single sheets which are really nice i'll be getting some more of this soon to make more colorful works taking inspiration from Ken Kiff, maybe even making one work on paper a day uh, when I can. It's create a, like a narrative series, which like maybe, cause it is, it is a sort of psychological narrative series I'm making. It's this psychedelic uh, anthro microscopy series and I'm trying to 
um, make work that's about emotional processing to help people be able to process their own emotions and to do that I really do believe that um, making making it more figurative is going to help because it's quite hard to to look at an abstract painting and say this means that that means this and I've talked to artists about it and they're they're going to disagree because they make abstract paintings but if you talk to the majority of people I don't think they're going to get it they're just going to be like that looks nice so I think you know I'm, I'm quite hard line on this now figurative work is where it's at to create stories it's much harder to do it uh, I'm not sure it's impossible but it's certainly not as relatable uh, to the majority of people through abstract painting and, that, and what I'm trying to do is to be able to relate to more people not just painters and artists but the general population of the world to be a um, you know a, a painter that people can understand what the work's about is important to me now more than ever um, yeah. it's still from the heart it's still 100% what I want to be making I'm just trying harder to to uh, really help people understand the, the work just like a a storyteller, an author would want the reader to really understand what he's saying by constantly developing the writing style and editing and restructuring what they're making. I'm doing that with my painting to really try to create a visual language that people uh, can relate to all over the world. I think using a visual um, format is going is going to be a sort of it's a universal language so anyone from anywhere in the world could look at it and get what I'm trying to say whereas with uh, the written word you really do need to understand the language you can get translations but uh, you know there's words in other languages that don't translate into English because they're so specific but with painting I think it's the a very good way of uh, you know, communicating an idea or a story. And that's why I do it, because I do find it difficult, although I'm getting better by working on the writing side of the practice too. That's how you get better at things. You know, I didn't, I got a, a U in English when I was at school because I was into creative writing and I thought I wasn't very good at writing, but then I got good marks at university for the written work so I decided I'm going to do more writing and what do you know people enjoy what I do so if you if you just got your GCSE results and you think you're not very good at something it's it's really not a mark of how good you are at something it's more of a mark of how mediocre you are how how much can you uh, be the same as everyone else and and do the things uh, they tell you to do rather than being a, a creative like myself or lots of other people that have uh, earned lots of money and have renowned 
works of art in various museums. They got tripped out of school for maybe not playing to the rules, but so do a lot of very successful people. They're made for greater things. They're not made to be sitting around trying to get the answers right. They're looking for new answers and new ways of saying things. And, you know, that's when you get breakthroughs in art, in science. Someone is not playing by the rules, they find a cure for a disease. So you really need people that don't play by the rules. It's, it's important. This is why you need creativity on the curriculum. To be curious is to save the world. Curiosity will save the world. It will. <clears throat> That's why I endeavour to do with my life is to uh, get as many people making things as possible. Because the more we make, the more we know about the world and ourselves, I think. Because you're, you know, inspiration finds you working and it's not the kind of work, it's not uh, menial jobs, although it can be. If, it, if it's sort of something you can do automatic, you can let your mind wander a bit and you can, you know, maybe come up with a million dollar idea. But doing this kind of thing and getting in the flow, I think will be even better catalyst for some really good ideas that will change the world so the more people that we can get doing things like this the better especially young people especially children Clean your brush, clean your space, create a clearer mind. <laughs> clearer mind, it's a happier mind. You know, meditate. Get off grid, be quiet, solitude, up a hill, not really thinking about anything at all. And then something will come to you, something pretty fascinating. Maybe, or maybe not, who knows. Right, I'm quite happy with it, the way, the way this is going right now. Let's put some darker, bits of red in there, create some um, little patterns where I'll be able to start seeing things spring out of me to create stories. Just as the surrealist would have put a mixture of random words in a hat 
to then pull them out and create sentences to then make paintings about. I just make the paintings and uh, and develop them. And it's it's kind of a similar process because it's a random. It's it's very random to start with, and then it develops. But uh, if you are stuck, that's a good exercise to do is to write down a lot of random words, put them in a hat, stick them out, and then try to create a story or draw it or paint it. For instance, René Magritte made a bottle turning into a carrot and it was a very good painting. And so sort of hyper-realistic, um, you could really imagine that being a real object it does actually look like he's painted it from life which I love floating businessmen in bowler hats with apples in front of their faces you know René Magritte what a fantastic artist A man that would paint a pipe and then say to you, this is not a pipe, because it's not a pipe, it's a painting of a pipe. To understand what is real and not real is important, but is anything really real? I mean, a simulation is something that I find quite scary to think about sometimes, but we might well be, which is just another reason why you shouldn't be afraid to try new things and go for, go for things, because life is short and it might well be a simulation, who bloody knows? No one really knows for sure, do you? What if we're just characters in a game? What if we are just characters in a game? Oh. Right, I'll leave it there. Leave you there thinking about simulation theory. How about that then? I'll see you next week when I'll be talking about something similar or something completely different. Have a good one. Bye bye.